0: Some motherfuckers are always trying to ice skate uphill. Blade, the vampire hunter.
1: bienvenidos, and welcome to Noob Island, a place for nerdy fun, friendships, and learning. I'm Professor T.
0: I'm Professor Z.
1: Much like the starting zone of many video games, the goal of our island resort is to teach visiting noobs about geeky subjects, but away from the stress of having to worry about sweaty tryhards, griefers, know-it-alls, or neckbeards. We like to think of as learning and luxury. Noob? Yes, Professor? Tell the class what the last cloud you saw looked like, and what you're here to learn about. Oh, and your name. Oh,
2: uh, my name is Mac... Um, Here about learn about magic in the Marvel Universe. And the last cloud I looked at looked like a mantis bug.
1: Well, with that in mind, Professor Z, what's our lesson
0: for today? Eric Brooks, a.k.a. Blade the Vampire Hunter. It always kind of throws me he has a name, even though obviously someone didn't just name him Blade. Blade. Okay, honestly, this is one of the episodes I've been most excited about the entire, like, from when we first planned we're going to do Magic in the Marvel Universe because of the movies and because how into the movies I was when it was, you know, circa 2000 Mm -hmm. and they started coming out and I was 12 and just the right level of, like, edgelord for enjoying those. Oh, I still remember that first trailer. Extremely vividly. Uh, I don't, but I remember the ad in the comic book. Mm. That said, I mean, obviously, here we are discussing the comic book iteration of Blade, who exists on two very separate scales Blade before the movies and Blade after the movies. And interestingly, Blade before Spider Man the animated series and Blade after. Spider-Man, the animated series, because they they simplified his storyline a little bit for that series or for that cartoon, which they used as the basis for the movie, which I did not know until we started researching this. I always was like, oh, Wesley Snipes, Mm -hmm. who, in fairness, has been the inspiration for Blade ever since. Yeah, uh,
1: absolutely. (laughs) You just have to look at the way Blade has been drawn ever since, and you're like, oh,
0: they just put Wesley Snipes in this comic. I see what you did. Blade is also interesting because he is a character that quickly outshone every other character in the book he appeared in, who is all the characters we talked about last week. And uh, Marv Wolfman is on record as saying he quickly became aware that Blade was going to to be more popular than all of them. So he couldn't use them very often because no one would care about all these characters. He's put so much time and effort into. So it's blade starts as a character, as a secondary character in a book that had a long storied run, but never really was expected to go anywhere. And now thanks to that movie is directly responsible for the state of comic book movies today and is probably one of the most recognizable Marvel characters, which is a wild thing to say. Yes. But in the world of the comics, Blade is also interesting because he's one of those characters who hasn't been aged forward in time. For example, Spider-Man obviously was no longer born in probably roughly 1950s when he would have been born originally. Mm-hmm. Maybe even the late 40s in when he first appeared. Obviously now, he would have been born in, like, the late 90s. Yeah. my Our age, like, late 80s at the absolute 80s, latest. Eric Brooks was born in Soho, London on the 24th of October, 1929. For whatever reason, they've never aged him forward like all of the others. I guess because he's a vampire and they can get away with it, but still. And this is one of those things where in the original appearances... In the 70s when this came out, he was already older than an average person, but not so much that it was like overwhelming, while well, now 50 years after that, you're like, oh man, you're you way older be- than you look. <laughs> you're getting real near a century. Like, <laughs> not, You should like, be dead. <laughs> this in 2022 would make him... Oh man, this episode's going to come out really close to his birthday, too. That's wild. Yeah. Uh, I mean... We're not talking
1: about the adaptations yet either, but there was Blade news just this past week because
0: the movie, the upcoming movie, just lost its director. Which is a bummer. Mm-hmm. Huh. That's a thing that happens. Anyways, Blade's father, named Lucas Cross, was a member of a secret society of the Order of Tyrana, I think, T-Y-R-A-N-A, uh, which is a very poorly defined secret order... Full of vampires and prophecies. I mean, it is secrets. That's why it's not They will come up significantly later on in the story, but uh, as well as Lucas Cross, but that's where he is. Lucas, who's a member of the secret society, sends his wife to England before he's taken prisoner in Latveria, where he will apparently, from what I can tell, spend the next several decades... There, uh, his wife, Tara, takes the name Vanessa Brooks and finds shelter with a brothel owner named Madam Vanity, another member of the Order of Tyrana. Everything I find is like she was experiencing labor complications, so she was forced to find a doctor. But she was pregnant. When you're pregnant, you should just see a doctor anyways. <laughs> Fair I'm sure there was complicated, like, gotta go now, but, like, just see doctors. Anyways... Turns out that doctor was the ravenous vampire, Deacon Frost. Who in the comics, I w- I promise after this I'll try to stop referencing the movie, but in the comics is a weird old man, and in the movie is... Steven Stephen Dorff. <laughs> is an edgelord Steven Dorff. <laughs> he feasts on her while she gave birth, and I'm not 100% sure if that is like vampire biting her forces her to go into labor or if he just waited for literally the grossest most inopportune time either way gross but it passes on a series of enzymes that uh mess with the baby's dna giving it uh transforming him so blade will not eric at this point i should call him blade yet but anyways the eric 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 switchblade <laughs> Definitely not yet. <laughs> is tainted by a vampire's by the vampire's kiss, but not converted. At this point, basically, he is immune to the vampire's touch, but he ages very slowly. significantly slower, and he really dislikes vampires, which is fair. Yes, uh, he would be considered a damn fear, which is a term for a half vampire, but not in the. He's not yet the daywalker that will become like his real thing later on. Frost is driven away, but Tara dies, leaving Eric to be raised at the brothel. While growing up in the mean streets of London in the 30s, which in fairness is not a great place to grow up, he runs into the American veteran vampire slayer Jamal Afari and saves him from being killed by vampires with a grudge against the old guy for being a vampire slayer. Afari learns about Eric and his origins and decides to take him under his wing, being uh, basically stick to Blade's daredevil, and becoming a father figure and helping him control his powers. Afari will teach him everything he knows about vampires and how to kill them. Really bent on uh, avenging his mother's death, Eric fashions himself into a vampire hunter and takes on the name Blade, which on one hand makes perfect sense for an angry teenager to name himself blade <laughs> yeah it does make it really funny that at 93 years old he's still going by blade by like his 14 year old angry name if it isn't um, broken don't fix it
1: say that to mr sinister
0: <laughs> i say a lot of things to mr. Sinister. <laughs> He's not the worst X-Men villain, but God, he's up there on one of my most hated. Blade and Afari split when Jamal takes the fall for a murder the Blade commits when Blade murders a deranged man he thought was a vampire. Oops. In 1943, he joins the Secret Invaders, which is a... uh, The Invaders was like the wartime version of the Avengers. It was... uh, Captain America, Namor, the original Human Torch, who was a robot, various characters like that. Lady Spitfire, who will later become a vampire. Uh, This one involves the Sorcerer Supreme of the time, who is the Soldier Supreme, and the Warthin, who is Man-Thing, but, like, G.I. War version, and a young Eric Brooks, who, now that I'm thinking about it, would have been about 14 years old, and probably, like... Should not be working well, on a what secret... Year, what year was he born? 1929, I think it said. Yeah, 19 October 1929. In 1943, he's a member of the Secret Invaders. So he's 14 at the oldest. 13 most likely. Also, does not look it in those appearances. It's from the Jason Aaron Avengers run, uh, which we've read several times. We have more Jason Aaron stuff coming up. I... As as divisive as a run as it is, I'm actually a pretty big fan. But Jason Aaron plays real fast and loose with continuity in it. Mm-hmm. None of this is important other than my brain just went, hey! <laughs> hey he's, only, he's a <laughs> he's, he's probably 13 in this story. Anyways, they destroy the U-boat U666. Oh. Uh, which is possessed by Mephisto, which is amazing. Of course, it is. <laughs> and take on the vampire Luftwaffe. <laughs> I don't know why Nazi vampires things are such a thing, but Jesus, they are. <laughs> It'd be very awesome. What else is like? To it shouldn't be, but it. it uh, yeah, but yeah. It's just a strange, interesting <laughs> combo that works. Uh, next time we meet up with Blade is years later in the year Ooh. 1968. He. Uh, teams up with a group of quote-unquote like-minded individual other vampire hunters hunting Dracula, including uh, people named Musenda, Orji, Ogun, and Azu. Blade goes to Dracula and tells him that he represents a group of men who believe that in another 60 years, vampires will rule the world and that humanity is screwed against their quote-unquote superiors. Blade says, hey, me and my associates will help you out, carry on Dracula's bidding, you know, do what you can't during the daytime, and um, we've come up with a plan that will speed up the global conquest from 60 years to 10 years. Dracula decides to go with it, because what the hell, I'm kind of lazy, I've been alive for a few hundred years and have better things to do with my time. Let's go meet your buddies. They meet Ogan, Azu, Musenda, and Orgy, as mentioned. Which God is just not a name that translates well into English. <laughs> it is spelled O R J I, Orgi. I don't know. All of these are Japanese. Uh, they're all black guys, really. That's my fault. That's that's my fault for not looking in deep enough and reading. Anyways, uh, Orgy Jones, <sighs> God Ogan Strong, OJ Ogan <laughs> is where it beat me because that is a Japanese term. Azu Mdamen. That one actually sounds pretty cool. And who was the other one? Um, Musenda. Musenda is simply Musenda. (laughs) You know what? That's a one-name kind of name. (laughs) Anyways, turns out it was a trap, and uh, they're obviously vampire killers, which we already knew going into this. They almost killed Dracula by driving a stake into his heart, and it's during this fight that one of Blade's companions will use wooden knives and... Find out that it works just as well as stakes, but gives you a better grip. Blade will uh, take this on as his main weapon in for the next, at this point, uh-huh. 40 plus years? In the real world until 1998, in this world until recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he still falls back on him. Yes, but this, I mean, the wooden daggers from this point on are is, his main. Yes, is kind of his identifying feature that and the bright orange leather jacket and the green goggles that he wears for a large period so here. Those so bad. <laughs> More practical than sunglasses, though. Like, I, I honestly get it. Anyways, Dracula is saved by his uh, servants and murders everyone but Musenda and Blade. We next jump forward to November 7th, 1972, where the murder of a bat-like monster in New York brings Blade's attention to things going on. He hooks up with Kalu, who is a dark sorcerer who will later be a sometimes villain, sometimes mentor to Doctor Strange. As well as James Lucas, who is the father of Luke Cage, a woman named Constance Molina, who is a reporter, if I remember correctly, and Adam Prejier, who is a hero of Superman level powers named the Blue Marvel, who shortly after this will be forced into retirement when it is revealed that he's a black man under the helmet. And America is not ready for that. Awesome. The whole point of that story is that it's 1972 and peeps were super racist. Yeah. Blue Marvel is actually a really great story that has nothing to do with magic in the Marvel Universe, so we're not going into it. But any story with Adam Brashear is worth your time. Uh, at first, Blade tries to kill all of them before realizing that they're his allies, and they form a group that, the, that Constance dubs the Mighty Avengers which is, this is during the time where they were starting to reveal that there have been significantly more Avengers teams over the years than ever realized. Mm. Although this one was never a formal Avengers squad. They she were just it called cool. the Avengers. She was just like, yeah, the mighty Avengers. Blade's like, oh, shut up. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> but it does become the first of like four Avengers teams that Blade will join, which is always kind of wild. They start investigating a murder, and a woman named The Bear, who is a woman who transforms into an angry bear-like creature, arrives and presents herself as the killer of the aforementioned bat-like creature that brought them all together in self-defense, as she wanted to prevent a group called the Deathwalkers from using as a sacrifice. The Bear explains that she herself is a result of a failed attempt of the Deathwalkers to extinguish humanity in 1908, and that they would try to do it again. With the mystery solved, the people present form the Mighty Avengers, which we already mentioned, but here we are, and go on to take on the Deathwalkers. Kalu tracks them down by the magic that they use to make the Werebat in a secret subway below City Hall. The Mighty Avengers attack the Deathwalkers before they can make their sacrifice, and Blade recovers the Talisman of Kamar Taj, which is required to perform the sacrifice. Adam Brashear causes the subway to collapse above the Deathwalkers. With the Deathwalkers stopped, the team disbands. Next time we see uh, Blade is in the actual Tomb of Dracula, which would be his real first appearance. So in some ways, it looks like he regresses heavily, but really, it's my problem with any sort of prequel story. It just makes the character arcs always a little wonky. Also, in his very first appearances, it doesn't really matter here too much, but Blade talks in significant what was called the Marvel Black Voice at the time, Mm. and it's heavy black exploitation influence. He wasn't as bad as Luke Cage going, Sweet Christmas! <laughs> but, like, it wasn't great. And they quickly toned it down in his second appearance. Blade goes on fighting until he meets up with Quincy Harker, the great vampire hunter. Who, I'm realizing now, thanks to the sliding timescale, has to be, like, the grandson or great-grandson of... The Harkers, as opposed to the, what he originally was, the sun, unless he is somehow
1: no, that timeline fits because we're still middle of the century at this point and he's an in, old man in the
0: original timeline, but in the sliding Marvel time um, scale where it's all happened within the last oh, 10 oh years having him or so. still alive is wacky now, yes, because but the... he still fits with
1: Blade's timeline,
0: yeah, Blade is one of those characters. The, to- the whole Tomb of Dracula thing, you have to really just sort of ignore the sliding Marvel timescale and just roll with as it was. Mm-hmm. Also, I'm going to say, considering that Dracula has now fought Blade like six times by this point, the whole I'm the last son or the last descendant of Dracula and it's my fault he's out in the world again really holds no water because he escapes every 45 seconds. That's, uh, what's his name from last time? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the whiny guy. Not Hannibal King. The other one. <clears throat> right. Meat is what Blade Meat. kept calling him. Get off the floor and stop He crying. will come up here soon. Uh, Frank Drake. <laughs> <laughs>
2: so <rough>. Meat.
0: <laughs> Anyways. Blade and the team will battle Dracula and multiple times and will have a very love-hate relationship with each other because Blade, during this time, is a jerk. The thing we need to remember about Blade, honestly, in every time, is that Blade is a jerk. Yeah. He is an unlikable
1: human being. You mentioned it being wild that he's been a part of, like, four Avengers teams a little bit earlier. He's a wild that he's been, it's wild that he's been a part of as many teams as as he has been. Because Blade does not play well with others.
0: He doesn't play well, but he's no—he plays extremely well, (laughs) and that's why they let him on teams. Because they're like, well, gotta kill some vampires, or really just any kind of mystical threat may as well. But especially vampires, (laughs) vampires pop
1: up. He's ignoring all the other threats.
0: (laughs) It's the only threat. I loved the blade and Elsa Bloodstone interaction (laughs) in the Doctor Strange Dimension Run. Oh my god. That's still one of my favorite things we've ran across.
2: (laughs) I haven't seen any of those in You're
0: welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, During these fights, Blade will slay Dracula. Dracula will come back. Dracula overpowers, feeds on the vampire hunter, leaves him for dead. Turns out that he's fine. Because Blade.
1: Yeah. You know what? Mentioning that, now all I want is a series where Blade has to partner with Bloodstone for like, a year or a something. big
0: ongoing of just, it could just be the monster hunters, the hunters, whatever you want to call it. And
1: I just want an ongoing thing of every time he, he finds out something new about a monster that they're hunting, he's just like, oh, it's kind of like how vampires do this.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: and her are just face-palming like,
2: like stop.
1: <laughs> everything relates back to vampires. It's
0: his only life. Um, I hate to kind of yada, yada, yada through the tomb of Dracula stuff, but again, this was an extremely important era and we discussed it in feature next week. So keep in mind while we'll discover some of the important parts, uh, it's a lot of almost killed Dracula, Dracula escapes, almost killed Dracula. Successfully kill Dracula. Dracula comes back. But people stop him before you can permanently kill Dracula, which in fairness is like 15 to 20 steps. Stake him through the heart, cut off his head, set him on fire, pee all over the ashes. Like it's just, I don't know if that's one of the steps. I'm a hundred percent certain Blade tried it at least once. (laughs) Might as well. (laughs) Uh, one of the important things during this time is that Blade enters into a relationship with a woman named Saffron, who will be probably the only significant romance in Blade's life, at least, like, serious one. Mm. And we f- have learned the mother to Blade's child, but that will come up just at the very end. Blade has a kid? Just at the very end. <laughs> Whoa! That poor woman. Saffron, who will not be a major part of the storyline, although she'll appear a few more times, is kind of obsessed with Blade. She doesn't really want to live in the world of vampires and stuff, but backs it up because she's really into her hot, hunky vampire murder boyfriend. (laughs) To the point that when he goes to Boston, she quickly travels over to hang out with him because London was a drag without Blade around. And I wanted to be like... You were in London in the 70s. I don't like by definition that's not a drag. That was like the hippest place in the world. <laughs> well, that New York, but New York you were going to die. Yeah, <laughs> New York was not a fun place at the time. I and mean, it was fun, but you were going to die. <laughs> During this time, Blade is uh tricked into thinking that he murdered a young child as opposed to a vampire and spends a while planning to turn himself in for being a murderer before it turns out that that was all a big, uh, trick. When Dracula travels to Boston, Blade's also there tracking down the vampire who killed his mother, the aforementioned Deacon Frost. Blade attacks the vampire, but is easily stopped by Dracula, who demands Blade accompany him back to, uh, to the home of a man named Harold H. Harold. To meet with Quincy Harker, Harold H. Harold is a reporter for one of those, like you know, like Weekly World News style papers. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Who at one point pulls the stake out of Dracula so he can get an interview. <laughs> yes. I kind of love him for just being that ballsy. He later becomes an ally of the vampire hunters. I don't know why. Dra- one. I don't know if Dracula gives him the interview, but I sure hope so. Two, I don't know why Dracula doesn't murder him, I assume, just because of the balls on this man. And three, I don't know why he swaps the other side other than being like, Oh man, I didn't think that through, did I? (laughs) Dracula explains that he's got nothing to do with the murders that's going on and that a coven that they're after is acting on his own. He tries to convince them to go into his battle with Dr. Sun, who has come to destroy the vampire who killed his mother. Dr. Sun, we mentioned last week, was the guy in the robot body, like the brain in the robot body, who for some reason is involved in this Tomb of Dracula story. Why not? I will attempt to have more information on Dr. Sun for next episode's Dracula series, but because all he's much more against Dracula while all of the other characters we've had here have been kind of side characters to that little plot. But... He does end up teaming up with Dracula to defeat Dr. Sun. After the fight, Blade threatens Dracula, telling them if he does not help him find his mother's killer, Dracula would die by his hands. Dracula refuses and leaves. (laughs) Wow, successful. In fairness, it's not worked up to this point. It does kind of explain the, like bantering relationship Dracula sort of has with blade in that, uh, death of Dr. Strange blade story. We read because blade has been stabbing Dracula for the better (laughs) part of a century and it keeps not sticking. (laughs) Yeah. How frustrating that has to be blade still looking for his mother killer. His mother's killer finds a clue leading to her apartment. Blade attacks the occupant, but the vampire is revealed to be Hannibal. The vampire there is revealed to be Hannibal King. The Vampire Detective. We met Hannibal last time. Hannibal easily defeats Blade, but due to their mutual mission, they decide to work together. They wait in Frost's apartment. Sorry, not her apartment. Frost's apartment. They wait in Frost's apartment for his recent victim to rise as a vampire. And when he awakes, he explains that he had dug up a coffin containing an exact copy of Blade. Blade and Hannibal King continue their hunt for Deacon Frost, and they wonder how Frost intended to take over the world with a second Blade. Blade and King go to London so Blade can visit Saffron. I guess just sort of figuring out what's going to happen with Eve. I don't know. I feel like if there was evil Zack hanging around, evil Professor Z, I suppose, I would want to go visit CC, but I feel like I would deal with that problem <laughs> first. I <laughs> feel like evil Professor Z is a pressing matter. Anyways, Blade and King find the Doppelganger, and Doppelganger, which is just how I'll refer to him now on, reveals that he's created to destroy the original. The two fight, but Blade stops when the two begin to fuse together on contact, which is some wild body horror stuff going down right there. Hannibal tries to rush to Blade's rescue, however, he's too late and the merger is completed. With the Vampire Doppelganger in full control of the unified body, it sets its sights on King. The Doppelganger attacks King, and despite his savage fury, he is easily fought off by King, who stabs the foe blade in the chest with one of his own wooden daggers, allowing him to escape. King flees from the Vampire Doppelganger, and their fight crashes into Dracula's party with Deacon Frost in attendance. I guess just everyone happened to be hanging out in the same six-block radius. Furious at Blade's interruption in his party, Dracula attacks and is shocked to find that his longtime vampire hunter foe is now a vampire. Blade appears to have the upper hand when he stabs Dracula in the back with one of his wooden daggers. But Dracula turns around and, mocking the fake Blade's inferior skill to the original, impales the vampire doppelganger in the chest with a stake, killing him. King then enlists the help of Damon Hellstrom, the son of Satan, who exercised Blade from the doppelganger and killed it with King's help. Blade and King eventually catch up with Frost, and together they destroy the vampire and his vampiric doppelgangers, forging a lasting friendship. I have no idea how Deacon created a blade that was able to just, like, Majin Buu absorb original blade into his... Existence. <laughs> I haven't thought of Majin Boo in a long time. <laughs> um, I've been watching TikTok clips of Dragon Ball Z. I don't know why. They just started offering. And I was like, yeah, I'll put 13 seconds in. Yeah, hey, why not?
1: Now, I'd have to read the issues to be absolutely sure. But I'm pretty sure they always just sort of like finger waved it away <laughs> as being something that Frost can do considering how his particular vampirism works anyway.
0: Yes. Deacon Frost is very strange. Deacon
1: Frost became a vampire by... He was going (laughs) to... He killed a vampire and extracted its newly dead blood and as a science experiment was going to inject a chick with it. But her boyfriend finds him before it happens, busts in, they get into a fight, and while they're tussling, Deacon Frost ends up getting injected. So... It's like the vampire's kiss thing, except from a dead vampire and through scientific means. And because of that, for whatever reason, they decided that the way Deacon Frost's vampire powers work is that when he turns somebody into a vampire, not only does he turn somebody into a vampire, but it also creates a doppelganger of that person that he has also under his mental control. Now he can create infinite Doppelgangers by just continuing to bite the Doppelgangers. So he usually has a Doppelganger army. And usually a Deacon Frost of himself or two floating Mm -hmm. around just to be safe. Yeah, he, yeah he, he has as many Deacon Frosts floating around as Doom has Doombots.
0: What yes. in the world? Deacon will, he's not getting his own episode, but in our usual roundup of like characters who deserve more mention, Deacon is definitely going to be one of our top conversations in that episode. What a wild vampire. We talked about this before the episode. This vampire section, I thought was going to be like two... Episodes originally like oh vampires they suck blood yeah it'll be part of vamp- it'll be part of the monster stuff no we're at like seven or eight episodes <laughs> at this point and it keeps getting longer anyways all of the vampires will eventually be killed in the uh, uh, the Montesai formula incident which will actually be some of next week's reading so we're gonna kind of scoot over that blade was not a significant character in the end of. Dracula's story, and by end of I mean at this point, solid middle ground of Dracula's story in Marvel universe, but was intended to be the middle.
2: Midlife Crisis. But
0: he does end up teaming up with uh, King and Frank Drank to create a private investigator group called Hannibal Blade and Ki- or uh, Drake Blade and King, which will later be renamed the Night Stalker. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: man minimum man minimum. <laughs> Which
0: is both a better name and like the most nineties, like just imagine going there because they're private investigators. It's not just like you know, it's like Harry Dresden stuff. There might be like I need to find out if my wife's cheating on me. It's one thing to go to uh Drake, Blade and King to that. It's another to be like, the Night Stalker. The team will eventually split up, mostly because they kind of hate each other, specifically Drake and Blade. But Drake will call Blade back when Dracula is resurrected yet again. That story, which we read last time, will end with Blade in the psychiatric hospital, Drake disappearing into the wilderness, and King honestly had nothing to do with it. But when Doctor Strange manipulates things to get Blade released from the psychiatric hospital significantly earlier than he should have been, uh, the three reform, form the Night I'm just doing it that way now. I can't stop myself. Uh, to form a segment of the Midnight Suns, which we've read part of as well. Yep. The With the vampires still mostly gone, although starting to return, they are, during this time, much more focused on any kind of supernatural threat going on, including... Lilith convinces them to try to kill the Ghost Rider. And they actually come close multiple times. Blade becomes obsessed with killing all supernatural entities, even for Blade, and is tricked into using a spell within the Darkhold, forming himself into Switchblade. <laughs> Yay! Now, this is a crossover <laughs> event that I... Cannot find and I desperately need them to release a collected edition from everything I can tell it functioned in a very similar way to the rise of the Midnight Suns of here's them going from issue to issue to issue across the entire Midnight Suns line. But the basic concept of this is that Thon, the creator of the uh, Darkhold, as we discussed in our Darkhold episode, millions and millions of years ago was being hunted by the Demiurge, which we've now brought up a couple of times. He comes up with two spells. Why he does not use these spells until the Switchblade time is beyond me, but the two spells, uh, also it's in some versions Demiurge and some versions demi Gorge. We'll go with Demigorge for this one. Same defense. Would create a new Demigorge, but under Chthon's control. And the other was a counterspell to undo everything the Demigorge could do. But it could only be cast by a non-supernatural being. Okay. The page the Blade is manipulated into reading in the Darkhold is the one that turns him into a new Demogorge. Under uh, Cathan's control. Thinking that he could use this spell to destroy all supernatural beings. But it turns out what he is actually doing is absorbing supernatural beings in power. Interesting. As Switchblade... Let's just get it out there. The dumbest possible, like, edgelord blades not dangerous enough name they could have come up with. <laughs> I like to think they're they're in the boardroom like, okay, he's he's evil, so what's his name? And some guy's like, S- switchblade? <laughs> Pretty much looks like a blade, sometimes with slightly heavier, like, armored stuff, uh, sometimes kind of a serpent tongue going on, and, like, more glowing gross eyes. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm. I, uh, yeah, basically battles his way through the Midnight Sons and ends up murdering most of them, including Johnny Blaze and the Ghost Rider. Whoa. Also, I'm going to say it took a lot of effort to find the actual details of the Midnight Massacre without just ordering all of the single issues, which I did not do, but I came pretty close, to be honest with you. <laughs> the Midnight. It's Massacre. just not super out there. That's a crazy name for During him. this time, he teams up with the Demo Goblin, who we discussed in our Demon episodes, and then betrays the Demo Goblin, surprising no one, and shoots at least a couple of people with Johnny Blaze's Hellfire Shotgun, and at one point steals his Hellfire Cycle. So at one point of this story, Blade is riding around on a Ghost Rider motorcycle with a Hellfire Shotgun. Like that? Being Blade. Oh my being goodness. Switchblade. <laughs> It's great. It's terrible. It's everything that I want out of a big Midnight Suns crossover. <laughs> Eventually, after a lot of yada yada yadas of... Switchblade kills this person, Switchblade kills that person. He is freed when the... Um, when Victoria Montessi of the uh, Darkhold Redeemers uses a page of the Darkhold to cast that original spell to undo everything the Gorge had done... Unknowingly to everyone else, but knowingly to her, sacrificing part of her soul in the process. Gotcha. Everyone who's killed is brought back to life, and originally, everyone's like, you know what we should do now after he murdered us? Let's murder Blade. But the uh, Danny Catch Ghostwriter refuses to allow it to happen. Everyone just sort of leaves without saying anything in an edgy, like, we're mad. And to be honest, was sort of the end of the Midnight Suns run. Midnight Suns was... The the books were sort of falling apart. That is a really terrible description of it, but as I said, it does become a lot of, now Blade goes and fights these guys. That one dies. Blade steals their power. Rinse and repeat across like eight to ten issues. Interesting. The Night Stalkers during this time also battle other threats, such as the Department of Cult armaments from Hydra, and um, the... Dread Lord Varney, the original vampire. He also was forced to kill his former ally, the vampiric Taj Natal, who we mentioned last time. In the final battle with Varney, King and Drake are seemingly slain. They will appear shortly after, just out of nowhere, like, hey, what up, we're live. Well, King will. Drake is in a coma and hasn't been seen since. But losing his only friends, Blade and even calling them friends is a stretch, but it's the closest thing he had. Blade becomes even more aligned with time to kill me some vampires, but at least during this time, he's like wearing some nice sweaters and stuff and mm-hmm. having a relatively put together life, and considering thing. really quickly he's going to turn into I wear a leather jacket and no shirt, Blade. Deacon Frost teams up with Marie Laval uh, in an attempt to take over organized crime in New Orleans as a staging area for greater conquests. Blade attempts to recruit Brother Voodoo, who at first refuses, and actually meets up with Hannibal King, who, as I said, just reappears. Just, hey, what up? I'm alive. Uh, And meets up with Saffron, who had disappeared years before. They manage to defeat, kind of, Deacon Frost and Laval and escape, and Blade and Saffron decide to make another go at making a relationship of this. Now, It might be. I could be wrong here. I don't think this storyline was ever really completed. And if it was, it was not in a Blade-dominated storyline. I looked it up. This story is kind of the last time we get classic Blade. This story comes out in, I believe, April of 1998. The next Blade series starts in October of 1998, shortly after the Blade movie, and we have moved on to full... Wesley Snipes. Wesley Snipes, Blade. Gotcha. Also, Saffron will never be mentioned again. That's so weird. So clearly, didn't work out. It's not wildly uncommon when a character of medium popularity gets a better known version in a different medium to change it up to closer reflect that medium. There's a lot of arguments about it in the comic community, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, but I think it does make sense because people who are like, wow, Blade was really cool, can go read it and not need to read 80 issues of Tomb of Dracula to, to, understand, to, to understand who understand. Blade is. Uh, Blade is really cool. Who's this guy? Ah.
1: <laughs> <Aww. laughs> Why is he wearing so much orange? Why is he 13?
0: <laughs> I remember black and tattoos. <laughs> A daughter of a vampire mafia don, which is just one of those sentences that makes me love comic books so much, manipulates Blade into attacking her father, uh, telling her, telling him that she he turned her into a vampire in the twenties, and she wants revenge. Turns out. She was in a relationship with a crime lord from another family and was trying to kill both her father and Blade off in a power play. Blade instead kills her father, turns around, and kills her because she's also a vampire. You know, fair. Also, her husband slash the other rival person, who was also a vampire because Blade... From this point on, Blade largely abandons the wooden daggers. I mean, they appear, but the cool sword becomes much more his thing, and he starts using computers and advanced technology much more often, as well as often having a pretty sweet, I think, Dodge Charger. Uh, Blade and Spider-Man encounter a vampire named Henry Sage and learn of the development of the Daywalker formula, a version of the Sunlight Serum which is a thing that will allow vampires to go out into the sun. It is ex- it is not subtly named. Also, that'd be terrible. Blade helps Spider-Man capture their on-and-off ally, Morbius, who's under the control of a vampire known as Hunger, who in the Morbius movie is played by Matt Smith and looks nothing like the absolutely wild design of Hunger. Hunger. Uh, During the fight, and I actually had some of these comics when I was a kid and not realized that like the scale of it, because in the 90s, when you read comics, you bought what issues you could and kind of figured out what happened in the issues in between, particularly in Montana, where you were not getting every issue of Spider-Man going down or whatever. Yeah. But during this time, Morbius bites Blade, but his blood enzymes are not enough to protect him from Morbius' form of vampirism. Because as we talked about, Blade is immune to vampirism, but Morbius is not a traditional vampire. He is a science vampire. A sci if you will. <laughs> He's something. That's my word for it, but I'm sticking with it.
2: <laughs> I like it.
0: This transforms Blade into the Daywalker, which is just what they called him in the movie and it was really cool. And in fairness, they're not wrong who is a vampire who is able to move in sunlight and lacking most of the vampire's traditional weaknesses. Blade does, at this point, begin to have the actual hunger for blood, but begins using a serum to to keep him from eating people. Folk. Yeah, you know, that's fair. Why can't they weaponize that serum? Uh, it comes up in the movies a couple of times. Interesting. Blade is temporarily taken in by uh, S.H.I.E.L.D., and they're group uh, who will actually probably come up more in a later episode called Silver Eye, which is a section of S.H.I.E.L.D. that was officially enlisted to deal with, by the President of the United States, to deal with vampires. Are they that big of a deal? We're doing seven episodes (laughs) on vampires, my guy. But for the U.S.? (laughs) U.S. interventionism is something we're not getting into in this podcast. Fair enough. Uh, now, to be honest, I'm going to have to come back to this one, as I said, in a later episode, because we will be doing, uh, organizations brought together to deal with mystic threats because I read this series and I still don't really understand. It just was not good. Gotcha. Uh, but from what I understand, they were trying to get Blade to, I think, make a bunch of Blades as, like, soldiers for them. Like, you know, steal his abilities, day daywalkers. The Silver Eyes were infested with vampires about four seconds after they were assigned to deal with all of the vampires. Oh, weird. Right? <laughs> next time we see Blade, or at least the next time we significantly see Blade, during this time, Blade became like the Punisher in the early 90s, the character to put in your comic book to make it bump in sales. So we have things like, Blade teams up with Gambit for an issue, which was admittedly pretty cool. That sounds fun. It was. I really liked it a lot. They became friends and traded records with each other. Eh, Yeah. Um, That would be a friend. Blade (laughs) Blade. appears, meets the Punisher. Blade appears and meets Courtesy of uh, Robert Kirkman. Really? Yeah. Wait, which one? The Punisher? The the Punisher. That was in a Marvel team-up. I was gonna say because it's uh, Scott Lobdell though, was writing that Gambit series. Mm. We mm-hmm. might read that issue not because that vampire is important at all, but just to really bring home how weird some of the vampire stuff was for a while there. Anyways, Blade eventually encounters a new type of vampire called the Trix. T R Y K the trick. Okay, trick, trick. I'm going with trick. I'm gonna go with trick. So many things in this podcast, I realize I've never said out loud until I'm recording and it's too late to figure it out. Now, the trick are clearly based off the Reavers from Blade 2, who are a group of, they're like vampires for vampires. They're vampire squared. Awesome. They're a subspecies of vampires that feed on vampires. They're concentrated vampire. Yes. Now, the queen of the trick are interested in a ceremony which would make Blade her king and an organization of the Seven is trying to, among other things, stop that, and instead of trying to stop all vampires, the Seven are really much more about keep, make, keeping equilibrium. They want to make sure that there are enough trick to keep the vampires in line. They're not trying to take out all the vampires, because if they do, the trick will start feeding on humans, which will create a whole new set of problems. If the trick are taken out, the vampire... They're like, it, they have this whole like ecosystem thing, Gotcha. but... Blade's just like, I have an idea. We'll kill all of them. What if we just killed all of them? (laughs) What? How'd I know? (laughs) Now, also, another thing I just realized while going through all of this in one go, the trick don't make any sense whatsoever because all the vampires have been killed at least once at this point. Mm -hmm. But as we discussed at the very beginning of this episode, the whole conceit of this podcast of a really unified uh, timeline of all magic in the Marvel Universe doesn't exist is a fool's errand yeah also I believe this trick storyline was in the Marvel max Uh, it came out in 2002 and that would align with a lot of the stuff happening during that time so Marvel max was the edgy okay era where they can say swears and kill people yeah gotcha they did (laughs) Uh, the Marvel max line is the same line where Damon Hellstrom had to track down Osiris's d***
2: you know, that's tracks, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> that makes sense. Because Osiris, the King of the Gods, was cut into a bunch of pieces, and they needed to find one piece left, and it was his d- <laughs> You know. It's really bad. It's an important It's a piece. fun read, though. I will say that. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Anyways, the seven who are real worried the blade is just straight on on vampire war mode authorizes an assassination attempt. They also reveal that Queen Silla of the Tricks want Blade for her mate so she can devour him to produce another queen, whole mantis style. Gross. Blade goes on a date with his new girlfriend, Susan, and tells her that vampires tricked him into slaying his former lover with a sword by drugging her and outfitting her with contact lenses and fake fangs. He fell. (laughs) Wait, is that what happened
2: to Saffron? It's not said. (laughs) Are you telling me? The professional but I believe Safar-
0: No, this whole. This is the problem with the Marvel Max line, if we're being entirely honest. They were okay. so excited that they could drop F bombs that they kind of forgot about plot and sophistication sometimes. Yeah, they dressed up my last girlfriend with f- plastic fangs. In <laughs> fairness, though, Blade is pretty murder happy.
2: But he should know, like, like, what happens in Halloween? Like, the kids out there with their plastic fangs and stuff, he's just going to go out and start murdering everybody? Like, <laughs> he has to know.
1: Or not. Maybe or people <laughs> keep Blade locked up on Halloween.
2: If played <laughs> let's, let's go drinking.
0: Anyways, a battle continues between the trick, the seven agents who are attempting to kill Blade, and Blade going on for a couple of issues of... Actually, I don't even know if it's a couple of issues, but going on for a little while of the three of them in this little three-way war the seven might also come up in that later episode that i mentioned because the seven are wild if i was on the avenger team and i heard blade was assassin i'd be like man that sucks but um thanks <laughs> i feel like blade <laughs> fits under that like you know we really like not having to deal with dracula so but also blades <laughs> anyways <laughs> Uh, Blade ends up having sex with Susan and then finding out that she was the Trick Queen in disguise all along. Blade enters the Queen's baths, but does not change, so he realizes the leader of the Seven was manipulating him. Blade then destroys the Trick Layer, but with the now-pregnant Queen, escapes, and, uh... The Trick numbers have been so thinned by Blade that the Seven decide that, to hell with it, we'll just let him kill off all the Trick anyways, he's pretty much succeeding, cancel the assassination attempt. Blade later helps a woman put to rest her husband, who was killed by a vampire being pursued by Blade. Blade meets the Punisher, who is hiding on top of a rooftop that, uh, while viewing a deal between vampires and some thugs. The Punisher emerges from the shadows, and the two draw their weapons. Blade eventually lowers his and tells the Punisher that if he shot him, the vampires below would know. Then the Punisher attaches a silent gun, uh, silencer to his gun and shoots Blade anyways. Blade remains unharmed, and they just start arguing. They turn their attention to the crime below. Blade admits that he admires the Punisher, but suddenly there's an explosion a few blocks away, and the vampires think it's the thugs and try to eat them. But Blade and the Punisher jump into the roof and kill everyone involved. You can't kill them. I'm we sorry, Punisher them. stories are boring. It always ends yeah. with, and then I shot them. <laughs> you
2: can't shoot me, they'll hear me. <laughs>
0: Blade comes into contact. Oh. Around this time, Blade, uh, the Superhuman Registration Act happens. Gotcha. Which is the events of Civil Wars. And Blade, while not really a superhero, he is superhuman, just registers so he can have access to shield toys. Yeah, you know, that's fair. He probably would love that. He also ends up with a gun hand, but I think that's going to Wha- come up a little later. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, he seemingly kills Dracula again aboard the shield hell carrier the Pericles 5, and uh, goes on a time travel mission for Dr. Doom. Blade receives from Doom an elixir that would theoretically cure him of his thirst for human blood, but would also remove the bloodlust he had for killing the undead. During the mission in the past, Blade fulfills part of a prophecy from that earlier mentioned Order of Tyr... Oh, yeah. yeah. Something like that. Tyranno? Tyranno? I mentioned it just 45 minutes ago, and it's already gone. Uh, by freeing his... Imp- but he fulfills part of a prophecy by freeing his imprisoned father from Laberia. Unknown to Blade, who's never known who his father even was, Lucas Cross was responsible for Dracula's resurrection. Again. Lucas kidnaps his son and tries to force Blade to feed on a young virgin girl by starving him in an attempt to fill the same prophecy that Blade had unwittingly begun by saving his father in the past. Blade escapes with the girl unharmed because he just bites through his own hand instead. Not just bites his own hand, bites it so hard that it comes at the other end. Blade returns home to England, hoping to find answers about his past and the whole prophecy thing he's suddenly involved in. He uses his shield connections to learn of vampires running illegal weaponry and kills them while procuring the guns he is unable to bring into the country. The death of these vampires alerts a powerful vampire priest named Draconis to Blade's presence. Draconis attacks Blade and was able to defeat him as he'd spent decades building up an immunity to vampiric weaknesses, including being staked in the heart, specifically to defeat Blade in vengeance for his time spent in London killing vampires when he was younger. So how do you...
2: I'm just trying to picture this. He... Worked on his immunities or his weaknesses. Just as a worked on a lot of cardio. So, like, he would just like this is a small dagger, and he stabbed himself. CrossFit. <laughs> Crossfit. <laughs> <laughs> he like injects himself a little bit of a wooden dagger, and then the next a little day,
0: bit of garlic <laughs> as a treat, you know. <laughs> yeah, um. yeah. And then one day he's stabbing himself a full-on dagger. He's like, hey, it doesn't hurt anymore. Blade survives this encounter thanks to a talisman which made vampires immortal. Be uh, and was aware that he can't take on Dr- Draconis alone. So he calls Hannibal King to help take him down. Blade ends up feeding on Draconis to make killing him easier, which uh, thus fulfills the prophecy because Draconis was a virgin. And they were trying to make him feed on a virgin to something something prophecy. While in England, da- Blade dug, digs up his mother's grave and within her casket marked Terra Cross, he finds a confession, she writes, about having been married to Lucas Cross as well as to being a member of the Order of Tyrana from who she'd been forced to flee. Maria Hill, the replacement for Nick Fury, informs him that the Order are connected to the Knights of Pendragon. And uh, Joseph Chapman, the current Union Jack, is a member as well as a vampire hunter as well. Chapman's already on Blade's trail and attempts to kill Hannibal King for being a vampire. After getting Union Jack to stop and speak with them instead, They learn more about the Order, including the fact that they were supposedly good people, but again, really vampire incest, and his dad's not a great guy. Blade returns to America and tracks his father down to a social club party in Washington, D.C. Blade learns that his father was a vampire and that everything he had been doing was in service to this prophecy. Blade had distracted his father long enough for Hannibal to obtain a copy of the prophecy, the details of which Blade recognized in his recent actions, including the freeing of his father from a Latvian prison. Blade begins working on stopping the prophecy, which leads him to try and track down Dracula's body. To aid in this, he approaches Spider-Man in New York City, who he's unaware that he had saved Spider-Man's aunt and uncle from a vampire attack shortly after their marriage. And honestly, again, not important to the story, Aunt May and Uncle Ben's life was wild before the whole Spider-Man thing, for being such normal folk. Blade learns more, including the fact that Spider-Man was temporarily turned into a vampire and the fact that Jamal Afari, an old friend and mentor of Blade, who he was forced to kill, has been turned into a vampire. Oh, no. Had been the vampire to turn Spider-Man. I don't know how that was undone.
2: Probably Doctor Strange.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Blade spends weeks searching the planet for Jamal, but is unable to find him until his father breaks into his home and offers to help. Blade travels alongside his father and Hannibal to Transylvania, where his father assures him that they would find Jamal at Castle Dracula, according to the self-same prophecy that is just really getting very boring for Blade. He believes the uh, prophecy would give all vampires back their souls. Blade isn't interested in potentially making vampires invulnerable by returning their souls and refuses. At which point, his father reveals that he's been holding Jamal and would stake him dead if Blade did not cooperate. Desperately wanting the return of his soul, Hannibal turns against Blade, who then murders him. Moments after killing his friend, Blade is confronted by Dracula, who Lucas has returned to life again for like the third time just this story. That poor man. (laughs) Who Lucas had brokered to deal with. Dracula tries to force Blade to complete the prophecy by returning a piece of the stake used to kill him to the ground of his castle, but Blade refuses, causing Dracula to target Jamal in an attempt to convince him. In the ensuing scuffle, the silver of the stake—the sliver of the stake—can't read handwriting—touches the ground as Blade fumbles it, enacting the prophecy, though not in the way that Lucas had expected— The prophecy did not return Vampire's Lost Souls to them, but instead brought every dead vampire back to undead life, including Hannibal King. Blade then decides not to kill his father and instead leaves him to live with his actions. Later, in exchange for having killed him, Blade gave Hannibal the potion he obtained from Doctor Doom so Hannibal could live without his bloodlust. The next time we see Blade, he is recruited into the Vanguard, which is admittedly a story I've been trying to find for like 10 years now, and I've just... I think it might be on Marvel Unlimited, but they just never made it a collected edition. Who is a black ops superhero team that carry out missions, including assassinations and other bad stuff, I guess. Like, I I set that up like there should be more, but really, they're they're black ops superheroes, which never goes well. Uh, Other members include Micromax, who is a former member of Excalibur, who is a mutant that can shrink, and Colonel America, It was someone else who had some of the super soldiers here.
2: What a name. I'm
0: Colonel America. (laughs) Facing a villain named Yafar Youssef, who has the ability to body possess, they. uh... this is one of those stories that gets really complicated to tell, but the important part is that thanks to body possession, Youssef forces a... Woman named Stacy Dolan, who's been an ongoing cop, to murder a couple of people, and the Vanguard ends up being revealed shortly after Blade kills Yusef. Everyone is forced to go on the run, and they all sort of disappear. Next time we see Blade, he's no longer on the run and is recruited to help uh, the MI13, which we read way back in our like fourth episode. Mm-hmm. That's forever ago. First thing he does. Is stabs the superhero Spitfire, a beloved British superhero who's been active since World War II, in the chest. In fairness, because she's a vampire. However, even though they spend a while trying to kill each other, they end up in a romantic relationship, and I really liked it. I I was really (laughs) sad that that... They're a good couple. It was like the one happy, like, Blade stops being a jerk time in... Ever. Ever. (laughs) In history. That hasn't happened yet. Uh, He ends up being heavily instrumental in stopping Dracula's invasion from the moon. The moon. Which makes sense when you read the story, but when you say that out loud, it's like, huh. Okay. (laughs) All right. From the moon. Gotcha. Gotcha. As well as murdering Spitfire's son, but at her discretion, who was one of the uh, 15 barren bloods. There's a lot. There's not actually 15, but there are a lot of barren bloods. Nightmare attempts to conquer the Earth, and he mind-controls Blade and the world's most powerful supernatural beings. He then forces them to battle the former Sorcerer Supreme, Jericho Drum, a.k.a. Dr. Voodoo, formerly Brother Voodoo. Nightmare, once again, has continued to be ignored, because that's probably the most interesting thing he ever did, and it's not even a huge storyline. Blade is forced to battle Zarus, the son of Dracula as he unites the various vampire sects, The X-Men are attacked by a siege of vampires, but Blade is around to lend a hand. The vampires are also during this time using technology to protect them from sunlight. Dracula arrives at Utopia, which is a crashed satellite turned into an island that all of the mutants are living on during this time. We're definitely not going into it, but that's what it was, to offer assistance in defeating his son. With vampire activity in San Francisco, which is the nearest city to um, Utopia, it's hanging out in San Francisco Bay, Cyclops gives the order for the X-Men to tackle their foe find out what the next, and find out what the next move is. He has Blade team up with Angel and taking down a few vampires at a rock and roll concert. Classic place to go fight vampires.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Also, during this time, Jubilee is turned into a vampire and kidnapped by the other vampires. Oh. It was weird. Twilight was really popular when this came out. Honestly, this entire thing was Marvel trying to cash in on some of that sweet, sweet Twilight money. Blade and the X-Men battle wave after wave of attacking vampires with Dracula and Zerus. or wave, of wave after attacking vampires with Dracula. Zerus tries ordering his minions to help him, but receives no support. Blade didn't see eye to eye with Cyclops and charges Dracula only to be knocked unconscious with Cyclops' optic blasts. Cyclops then reminds Dracula of their previous unspoken agreement to, you know, not be Dracula. Uh, and they have a quick stare down after which Dracula calls Cyclops' bluff, but nonetheless decides to end hostilities with the mutants and gives Jubilee back to them. Jubilee's put in isolation while they figure out what to do with their now vampiric buddy. Of which Blade is like, "What if we murdered her?" Which causes Wolverine to threaten to kill him multiple times, and Blade just leaves. Here's an idea. Let's kill them. Hi, my name's Blade, the vampire hunter. Maybe we haven't met.
1: <laughs> Who's a vampire now? There's a vampire around the corner.
0: Can we kill it? Can I? Um, can, I
1: can I? Can I stake?
0: Can I stake her? Next time we see. Uh, Blade, he is in New York City, and he is, at the time, just a shadowy figure getting help from Spectrum, formerly known as Photon, formerly known as the second Captain Marvel, a.k.a. Monica Rambeau, who we met during uh, WandaVision. Oh, yes. The woman who goes through the thing and gets her powers, which is not at all how she gets her powers in the Marvel Universe, but is not important to this. However, while getting help for a thing that will come up in a few minutes. They're interrupted by an invasion of Thanos's army on Earth. Oh. Monica convinces Blade to help, but since he's trying to stay under the radar, she gives him a fake Spider-Man costume from a superhero costume store that is mostly Spider-Man but with like green highlights and the words Spider Hero emblazoned across the chest. It's like the spirit Halloween version of Spider-Man.
2: I love that.
0: I'm the Spider-Hero. This team comes together and forms the Mighty Avengers after they stop a mind-controlled Doctor Strange from summoning Shuma Gorath. Oh. Continuing to stay undercover but refusing to refer to himself as Spider-Hero, he adopts (laughs) Hawkeye's abandoned identity of Ronin. As Ronin, Blade accompanies the team to Adelan, the home of the Inhumans where he rediscovers the, tamil- the talisman of Kamar Taj that the Deathwalkers were looking for and temporarily leaves the team in the middle of a fight against a hellhound. Later, God, I love this sentence too. I'm just, I've been waiting for like three days to say it. Ronin is attacked by ninja were-snakes <laughs> who were sent by the Deathwalkers. We covered them by, way in the early of this. They yeah. just like to make were-things, but not like werewolves. A ninja were the bat thing, were snakes, uh, who had figured out who Blade was, trying to get the talisman of Kamartage. Various other creatures are sent to hunt down Blade, and he's ultimately defeated by were roosters. Blade is then brought by to the Death Walkers, who plan to use him for a sacrifice. This series is written by Al Ewing, who uh, Tyler knows from The Immortal Hulk, which is a really dark, messed up series, but mm-hmm. is mostly known for making just amazing, absolutely wild Avengers stories and And Guardians of the Galaxy stories. The word were-rooster came out, so... Yeah, he's perfect. (laughs) He's one of my favorite writers in Marvel staple. Uh, After being drained of a portion of his blood, he escapes captivity, and the mighty Avengers locate him. Blade can't prevent the Deathwalkers from finishing their ritual, and they're all merged into a being known as Deathwalker Prime, a creature with control over all four elements including a power of the fifth, the spirit, which would be its cue to destroy humankind. Basically, they all merge Captain Planet style into an evil Deathwalker thing with all the powers of the Avatar. Interesting. Okay. That works. (laughs) The mighty Avengers manage to get a hold of the cup used in the ritual and merge themselves into Avenger Prime, who just looks like a woman made out of a Solar System. Avenger Prime manages to destroy Deathwalker Prime because the Avengers are united in spirit, while the Deathwalkers are battling for control, even though this is what they've been trying to do for a century now. The next time we see Blade, he's been kidnapped by vampires and is being held by chains in a castle. He's freed by the Wasp, who is convinced to join uh, the Avengers. He helps them stem a civil war within the shadow, or the vampire community being waged by a man known as the Shadow Colonel with his Legion of the Unliving. Turns out the Shadow Colonel is just Zerus, Dracula's son. Cool. It, it was all a ploy by Dracula to renew the vampire nation by removing weaker elements to it. Thanks to various uh, machinations, Russia grants the vampires Chernobyl. Which we have seen. Yes, and we will be coming up later. Also during this time, Blade saves the boy thing, who is a cutting of man thing that Zerus cut off of him to create a little like ally. And he just looks like a baby version of man thing that hangs out on his shoulder and can create stakes at his will because he has control over plant life. Super cool. He saves boy thing and boy things like I'm gonna hang out with him. And honestly, I hope he stays with Blade forever. Yeah. It is the best addition to Blade since the Wesley Snacks movies. Uh, Blade helps the Avengers deal with the uh, Age of Khonshu, the return of the Wielder of the Star brand, which is a weird cosmic thing we don't have time to go into, the return of the Phoenix Force. He helps fight the Hulk and helps fight Null, the god of symbiotes, when he attacks Earth and recruits Dracula and the Vampire Nation to help out. After Null is defeated, the Vampire Nation is able to successfully lobby for, recu- for recognition from the United Nations as a country within the Chernobyl Exclusion Zone in thanks for helping stop uh, Null, the god of the symbiotes, from destroying the Earth. Doesn't seem like a good idea. No, it's not. But Blade chooses to leave the, aven- the Avengers and live in the Vampire Nation to keep them in check. With the full Avenger... I've reached the point where my voice is shutting off with the full authority of the Avengers and the United Nations behind him, basically being like, fine, I won't just kill all of you, but I have the right to murder any single one of you that betrays even the smallest corner of this agreement that we've made. But it does make him kind of the number two guy to Dracula, which he hates a lot. One day, Blade wakes up to discover that the entire world has changed, To one where the Avengers never existed, and a group called the Squadron Supreme was the world's premier superhero team. This is a big crossover called Heroes Reborn that is basically Age of Apocalypse, but for the Avengers instead of the Mm X-Men. I mean, straight up to the point of the black guy is the only one who remembers, because in Age of Apocalypse it was Bishop. Right. Also really cool. Also, Squadron Supreme is straight up the Justice League, just with different names. Mm -hmm. Hyperion instead of Superman. Uh, Warrior Woman instead of Wonder Woman. Nighthawk instead of Batman. Gotcha. Anyways. Wanting to change the world back to its proper state, Blade seeks to create the Avengers. After failing to convince Thor to join him, Blade recovers Captain America, still frozen in ice, and convinces him to help. They then begin gathering the member of the Avengers, starting with Echo, who at this point is possessed with the Phoenix Force. Daredevil's deaf ex girlfriend slash host of the Phoenix. Also, a long serving Avenger. I hate to use Daredevil's ex-girlfriend as her primary descriptor, but that's where she first appeared, as a romantic interest for Daredevil and a kind of adopted daughter of the Kingpin. Echo's really cool. Blade and Captain America later recruit uh, Black Panther, and Echo recruits Thor, who's able to recover his powers and memories. With the help of Wak- Wakandan's spaceship... Uh, Brandon Selby, who is the Star Brand, is returned to Earth. The Squadron Supreme eventually catch wind of what the of the Avengers and begin investigating them, as cracks show of um, this world is obviously not supposed to be, it's a giant manipulation by Mephisto. When the Squadron finds the Avengers in Wakanda, Blade and the Avengers are ready to fight the Squadron. Blade fights Nighthawk, but is stunned by a ring that delivers a power-electric- powerful electric shock. Blade is able to get to his feet, but then is then knocked out by Hyperion. He's not doing great in this fight. One thing I like about Blade <laughs> in the Avengers is he does hold his own, but it's no longer Blade is, like, the King Tough guy that he was against all of the vampires. Right. Blade and the other Avengers are able to fight Nighthawk when realities return returned to normal, when the source of the reality warp was destroyed, which was President Coulson's Pandemonium Cube. President Coulson being... Uh, Agent, Agent Phil Coulson, who after being murdered by Deadpool and returned to life by Mephisto, is being manipulated by Mephisto and now hates superheroes. Blade is returned back to Earth 616 and wakes up to find himself back in Chernobyl. Blade surmises that it was his supernatural nature that protected him from the reality warp, which makes no sense whatsoever. Uh, Blade has had minor small appearances, but that is where most of the storylines have kind of stopped. I don't think he's had a major issue since then, other than the one that we read of death of Dr. Strange, which is mostly him being pissed off that all the vampires are happy. that Dr. Strange died. Right. But we are ending here with blade still connected to the Avengers and still connected as the vampire sheriff, vampire sheriff. But it I am guessing that this storyline will be ending soon because Jason Aaron is leaving the Avengers soon. Like that run is wrapping up. Also, there is a Blade storyline that involves Blade's daughter that was supposed to come out, like, four years ago, and it keeps getting put off, but it does sound like it will be starting again within the next
1: year. Well, I mean, with a new movie coming out, he'll definitely have some Mm -hmm. sort
0: of... And they've been working on the series. They've dropped hints on the series. They will do something with this. It just, for various reasons, got put off and changed. I would bet they decided to make, when they decided to put blade on the Avengers, they decided to make significant changes to what that storyline was going to be. Mm. But we do know that he had a child with Saffron and basically knowing that she was one day going to be a vampire hunter. Cause this is Marvel and legacy's a thing. He leaves her a whole bunch of vampire killing tools. That works. My favorite thing about this whole thing is I knew the Blade story was going to be wild, but there's so many sentences that I was like, I can't believe I get to say this out loud. This is so much weirder than I thought it would be. Also, I don't know if Boy Thing is still hanging out with him because he's in Chernobyl, which is probably not a great thing for non-vampires, but I just don't remember off the top of my head. Yeah, me neither. I don't think he had him in the Death of Doctor Strange storyline, though.
1: Right. Oh, you're right. I guess I don't remember seeing him there. I didn't see him there. But it also doesn't mean he wasn't just, like, hanging out in the room.
0: Yeah. Anyways, that is the very conflicting history of Blade. Let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we will discuss Blade, Crescent City Blues, as well as Spirits of Vengeance. Before we dive into any of these things, I'm just going to say Spirits of Vengeance, 100%. Should have been named Midnight Suns. Yeah. It's a Midnight Suns story. But... uh, They called it Spirits of Vengeance because Ghost Rider was pretty popular. I mean, Ghost Rider is eternally pretty popular. And they wanted to tap into that. But, I mean...
1: Well, and the whole... The vengeance part of it comes back around as part of the story. Yeah, Yeah,
0: I know. But it's... Honestly... Okay, so this is a team-up story of (laughs) Blade, Johnny Blaze, Satana... And Damien Hellstrom, son of Satan, Tossin, Danny Ketch, and Moon Knight, and maybe Victoria Montesai. That's my ideal Midnight Suns lineup. Yeah, I agree. So, uh, not important to this. I just wanted to get that out there. So the two things we read: "Spirits of Vengeance" and "Crescent City Blues," which is a single issue. Uh, part of the reason we chose "Spirits of" I chose "Spirits of Vengeance" is because I didn't want us to just read a single issue for this. And it does really summarize how difficult it is to find an iconic Blade story in the comic books, considering that this story, which is like mostly a Damon Hellstrom story, followed by Johnny Blaze, like Blade is the least important character in this, was listed on multiple listicles as one of the greatest Blade stories of all time. (laughs) <laughs> I mean
2: it's good and he's in there so I guess technically that's they're
0: correct they're not te- <laughs> <laughs> he's a b- in it it's a fun supernatural story and I also I knew we were going I was looking for ways to fit this story in I just hadn't figured out where this gave me an in for it because um, I wanted you guys to read it and we talked about it during the Johnny Blaze and the Damon Hellstrom episodes mm-hmm. but it was fun and I was glad we finally read it after mentioning it all but yeah times. it's not much of a blade. Story. Also, it's weirdly coffee-obsessed. Yes. It starts with someone talking about coffee. Every time they're, like, uh, interrogating a demon, you see Blade and Johnny Blaze drinking coffee in the background talking about the coffee. And I think it ends with them getting coffee, too. Yeah. (laughs) Super non-important to the story. But, uh... Oh, no, it doesn't end that way, but it does... For whatever reason, coffee is an ongoing background theme of this story. Uh, written by Victor Gershler and art by David Baldion. I was admittedly really hesitant when I first picked up this series because Gishler, Gershler Gishler, also wrote the mutant vampire stuff where Jubilee gets oh. turned into a vampire, which is some of my most hated X-Men stories. And with the sheer volume of X-Men stories... To be, in my opinion, some of the worst ever written, is an accomplishment. I dug the art style. Baldion is becoming increasingly used, and he's well set for something like Demons, because he's... I don't want to say his work is ugly, but the like over-the-top expression he uses is really easy to transform into something ugly.
1: Right, right. I was going to say, I really like... He's not the only artist that does it, but I really like when artists, uh, even their normal-looking characters, are just slightly stylized Mm -hmm. so that it can blend more into the exaggerated stuff. And
0: when you do the really stylized stuff, it doesn't look weird in
1: comparison. No, I thought the art was fantastic. I love this Ghost Rider look, even if I didn't feel like it was a good Johnny Blaze look.
0: Yeah. I'll give you that. It's a little over the top. I will say with David, It's a good Danny look? Oh, it'd be a great Danny look. And,
1: like, with some changes, could be an incredible Robbie look. Like, slight changes, it wouldn't take much. Yeah,
0: part of it is, um... Okay, so fire is incredibly difficult to draw. It is one of the hardest things to draw, because it's not mm. solid. Like, it, it you mm-hmm. know, fire is... Fire. That's such a stoner statement and I'm not even, but
1: um, it's fire. weirdly translucent while also being a light source. While Describe to
0: me how to draw fire and I'll like, uh, you, three just, layers, the back layer layers. being
1: the darkest, the
0: front layer
2: being the lightest <laughs> but the center is see-through. There you go, fire. Fire.
0: <laughs> yeah, okay. But the point is, like, I mean, fire is not, like, a solid object like most things that you have to draw are, so it, it's... If you can use, it's weird to say, but almost if you can use, draw fire more like a motion than it, at like an actual physical thing, if you get the, the feel of fire across, it works much better than like actual fire. trying to get the exact look, mm-hmm. while with a skull, you're not trying to get the feel, you're just trying to draw a skull. That's fair. Going back to our old friend Marduk Curios, this is my favorite depiction of him, of hmm. Damien Hellstrom, son of Satan's father. <laughs> I just, the way that he looks is great. Yeah.
2: He's lounging his chair. Shut up, those are my kids.
0: <laughs> yeah. no don't worry it's just my kids <laughs> I mean beyond just like kind of lazily letting people do stuff to possibly kill the archangels he um, Michael. I mean physically he is just one of like overly tall white hair those giant horns mm-hmm. the classic stuff Mm-hmm. it looked really good well we say the classic stuff but not like the Mephisto looking classic stuff not like you know like yeah. old Old school, biblical classic stuff. Like classic, <laughs> but Guys mixed. getting ergot po- poisoning and drawing what they saw kind of classic <laughs> demons. It's like old school classic, but then mixed a little bit with, like,
1: legend. Just a pop. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, you're right. That is that is accurate. Um, I don't know if I have too much to say about this. I mean, this is not a deep story. This is no (laughs) no this is let's bring all of our favorite edgy supernatural characters together and have fun for four issues well even the
1: so they gave a slight reasoning for why it's those at the very end and it's even very tenuous because it's all they all have half human natures which is a stretch with johnny like
0: does Johnny count as being energy? half
1: human if you have a demon bonded to
2: you? And they explained that that the original Zadkill isn't even a demon. It's just because of where he lives. It's like, eh, it's, it's easy to call him that because it's just closer to where he lives. He's not actually a demon is what Hellstrom
0: said. And I was like, <laughs> remember, I mean, we spent a lot of time <laughs> discussing this. Zadkiel, as a spirit of vengeance, was originally supposed to be a demon, and then they had a big storyline. Not too many years before this, mm-hmm. this is not this is after the big. Actually, he was a servant of heaven, kind of storyline, uh, but before they had just entirely abandoned that and returned back to hell. So it kind of Ghost Rider exists as exists in hell, but is not really a property of hell. Like, blood exists in Chernobyl, but isn't property of Chernobyl. I mean, none of them are, <laughs> but. Similar idea. You know, I get the vampire thing keeps him alive. Does he still get the tumors?
1: I, you know, he does have a slight healing factor that I probably feel is keeping the tumors. <sighs> He's got
0: to be working overtime. He's got to be really hungry all the
2: time. Oh, yeah. Uh, One, that dwarf, that.
0: Necrodemus or whatever he called Necro-demus. No, that's the sorcerer. That's the sorcerer. Oh, but yes, also yes, that, the, name. that name. The Asgardian dwarf that was, uh, oh, Ragnar. There
2: we go. Uh, Oh Jesus. And the first panel we see him hammering something, it's like a ram's horn or something, right? I'm like, oh, I wonder what that's going to be. And then Necrodemus comes out with a rocket launcher. I'm like, are you telling me that this man hammered together a rocket launcher? <laughs>
0: <laughs> the dwarves of Asgard are extremely talented creators.
2: <laughs> yes, like yes, a rocket with a hammer and anvil. That is the most Looney
0: thing of like, I have created the ultimate weapon to kill this angel. Because we have failed to mention this in our explanation of this reading. Basically, there is a meeting every a thousand, thousand years, years yeah. where the demons and the angels get together and uh d- iron out the fine details of their eternal war against each other and the humans interfere to attempt to sway one side or the other and because Necro... his name, he, The name Necrodomus. he chose for himself is Necrodomus, so you can guess which side he's on. Whips out a rocket launcher. Well, I think it's funny it's a, too, because
1: <laughs> he's actually already figured out how to kill angels.
2: Yeah, with that gun.
1: But he's like... But it really doesn't mean anything unless you can kill Archangels because they're still going to screw our, you know, if we try to go to war, they're going to just unleash up. their fury and they're going to mess us up. So he's like, I got this rocket launcher, <laughs> <laughs> magic rocket launcher.
2: But if he misses, if he, well, obviously it didn't work, but if he missed in any way, you're done. Like you get one shot at that. There's no, like, oh, well, at least we can, like, take the weapon and try again. It's like, no, the weapon's been used. That's it. That that was your only shot. Uh,
1: There was a part of me that was really hoping, like, it's all on the same page, so you can kind of see what happens, like, as you're reading it anyway, and you're like, oh, I know that this isn't going to happen, but just getting to that panel, I'm like,
0: I kind of hope the angel just sidesteps it. (laughs) He's just staring at him. He's like... No, uh, instead, Ghost Rider just jumps in the way, but... Yeah. uh...
2: (laughs) He He wasn't even scared. He's like... (laughs)
0: <laughs> fine <laughs> we're doing this I guess
2: <laughs> also I enjoyed well it. cause
1: of course then you get the speech from the angel at the end like ineffable plan and we, we let this happen because I, I mean
2: I, I could have died but um, you guys were here so uh, we all, with heaven owes you all, including you Damien so one Satan. favor <laughs> you
0: have to include the son of Satan <laughs> this is a rule of this podcast young man
2: <laughs> sorry sorry um. <laughs>
0: Wish that favor is ignored forever. <laughs> <Good>. but, um, <laughs> That's a bad thing. You know, it's interesting. This story, as Looney Tunes, Edgelord as it is, has such heavy Good Omens vibes that I wonder if uh, Gishler was reading Good Omens and was like, yeah, yeah let's okay. do that a little bit. <laughs> like, I could see Crowley and Aziraphale just hanging out in the background. It would have fit 100%. Mm-hmm. I also enjoy that the demons were uh, black suit corporate government men.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like. Well, I like that most of the demon forms are just basically straight up xenomorphs.
0: Yeah, with no eyes, extra mouths. Yeah, it's creepy and scary. It's yeah. awesome. Shadow um, monsters is what I thought of. But yeah, the xenomorph is not far wrong. off. Yeah. No. Also, I didn't know getting shot by one of the 13
2: coins would just make you explode after you pulled it out of your body. Like, that, that guy didn't deserve to die that that crazily in the bar in their first panel. He's like, hey, I have something for you. Tink. <laughs>
0: just exploded right afterwards. <laughs> I'm not saying I know how silver bullets work. Because he was just a straight-up human. But... Okay, so the whole thing is, like, they're taking the silver...
1: From the 30 pieces of silver from Judas.
0: Yes. and they But also... first they just make bullets with them. And then they take those bullets. And is he making the rocket launcher with the bullets? Yes. Or is he yeah. making yeah. the missile that goes in the rocket launcher? Not sure. <laughs> just both. <laughs> Unclear. I'm just saying both. I just feel like once you have turned it into a bullet and then shot someone with the bullet, that's done. Like, what do you expect to do with that? If you need it so bad, why would you shoot somebody also, with Also, he later kills all of those other angels, but he's not using the Judas bullets no, because the Judas bullets are being used yeah. to right. create the rocket. So he just had another way. This story makes almost as little sense <laughs> as one of Roman 84 the more I talk about it. Yeah, it makes not as much bad.
1: sense as the dude naming himself Necrodamus. Right. <laughs>
0: And he's not even like a. There's not even like a prophecy thing going on here. And he's not even a good sorcerer.
2: He's he just happened to accidentally save someone powerful, a demon that could help him, and that's it. Even the even the demon's like, why would I talk
0: to you? You're not even like a real sorcerer. (laughs) He's like, wait, Doctor Strange (laughs) doesn't even know you exist. (laughs) You're not important. (laughs) You're only cool because you managed to save this random Egyptian goddess who has to work for you until like your deal is done. Also, she flies a dragon or something like that, which was pretty cool. That was pretty cool. It was like a fell beast, yeah, which was even cooler. And they also like made another disciple thing. I should have looked up before this. I'm looking up if Necrodamus existed anywhere other than this storyline. Although apparently, there's what looks like a tabletop game called Necrodamus. That sounds fun. Every time I hear it, I just want to say Nicodemus.
2: I'm like, no. It's <laughs> not the same.
1: I mean, it, I keep thinking of Paul Mooney's character from the Dave Chappelle show.
2: <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> That's pretty good.
0: Uh, oh, nope. This is a different Necrodamus. <laughs> um, you're like, found it? Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> not the same guy. So this guy is so uninteresting that... He just stole someone else's name. Name, Yeah. Who appeared in, or maybe it's supposed to be the guy from the very first issue of The Defenders, which would make him, like, a big-name villain. That's hilarious. What? Really? Yeah. That's wild. Necrodamus first appears in um, Defenders 1, created by Steve Van Goghart and Sal Buscema in 1972. But he looks very different. I don't know if this is... A very quick search is not revealing if this is supposed to be the same Necrodamus or not. I'm going with no, because he's even more pitiful than the weird, mostly bald dude. Yeah. Yeah. That dude was jacked, according to that uh, picture I was looking at. I thought it was interesting that the comic brought up
2: uh, an ulterior book for the Bible.
0: Like another disciple. Anytime there's a thirteenth disciple thing, my brain just goes to dogma from Kevin Smith. I thought the
2: way it was going before they mentioned the the whatever his name was, uh, that they were going to mention the Book of Judas, which technically exists in real life, and I was like, huh. But then they didn't. I was like, but why? <laughs> it made much more sense than adding in a random
0: person.
1: <laughs> I'm also oh the first so, it is supposed to be the guy from the Defenders. Oh. Okay,
0: I mean that's actually not a terrible thing.
1: But he was born shriveled, like we saw him. He was he born used his powers gross. to become Big what eject. he fought the Defenders with, and when he was defeated by the Defenders and sent his, soul, they sent his soul back into limbo, and he returned to it shriveled.
0: Ah, so it's not Doctor Strange doesn't even know you exist. It's Doctor Strange doesn't even care that you exist anymore. Yeah, he's not
1: powerful. Yeah, no, that sounds about right.
0: <laughs> okay, so here's the question. Who was a crappier sorcerer, him or Doctor Druid?
2: Uh,
0: ooh, uh,
1: probably him. <laughs> I mean, Druid's him. pretty crappy, but
0: he did die. Druid in a dump accomplished of fire. more over yeah, the years, but <laughs> Necro Thomas was never set on fire and thrown in a dumpster.
2: <laughs> Which is the best way to die? Off-panel. Was not even important enough to show up? <laughs> It's so good I'll never get over that like, I want to okay. get a tattoo of a dumpster fire
0: I will design that for you I'm in okay um so you may have noticed we didn't mention blade at all in this because honestly you could take blade out of this story and change literally nothing.
2: He got punched in the head once? That was it. They're
0: like, I'm going to call a person who can help us. He's not important for a <laughs> single part of this other than being a slight extra muscle. This is yeah, just... he tried, He kills that one vampire
1: of the three oh, that yeah, gives at the bar. Yeah, he
0: kills some vampires. He kills some demons. <laughs> he backs up Satana when they go into one of the weird, cool places that I wish we saw more of. But it's like, not... it could have been Union Jack. It could have been Union Jack. It could have been. Anybody. It could have been Black Knight. It could have been Demon Slayer. Ooh, it could have, have been awesome. uh, uh, Isaac the Gargoyle from, like, literally, it could have been Spider-Man and not changed a whole lot.
2: Yeah.
0: Like, I mean, the way you wrote the character would be different, but, like, the point yeah. is he's not important to the story. He is cool in it, though, because he's Yeah, played. he's cool. He's cool in it. Okay. Crescent City Blues. Which I believe is the last time that Gene Colan, the original creator of Blade, ever draws Blade. Mm. At least it's the last, like, significant time that I can think of. <laughs> I was sitting on my couch, reading it, and I open I
2: opened it up on my phone, and I get to the first panel, and I see the rain and, like, the monologue for, like, a whole page of uh, a half. Wah, yeah, I see the noir, wah, wah, and I'm, like, wah. waiting for,
0: like, the Maltese Falcon. <laughs> <laughs> It was a dark and stormy night. (laughs) I wonder, is it raining in New Orleans? (laughs) It was good. (laughs) I want more Blade and Brother or now Doctor Voodoo. Like, they're a good combination that you should see more often. Yeah. They are lent itself well too it was like all dreamy
2: like the edges were blurred out a lot of the you time. really love gene colin's art i just need to find you more of his stuff <laughs> it's so good and like it it lends itself to the, that fantasy like the vampires and like the weird voodoo magic because you have like all that weird mystical magic happening and they're really big creatures that are never fully on the panel like you never see the full snake when she summons it what's oh, right. Name? But you have like parts of it you know it's huge and like everything's blurred out and like
0: the zombies are all weird. He's supposed to be an absolute nightmare to ink. Let me finish this and then we'll make fun of (laughs) Zovembies too. He's supposed to be an absolute nightmare to ink Mm -hmm. because he was a big fan of grayscale and that really (laughs) loose stuff and so the person who has to like sharpen up the lines was like, what do I do with this? I can't imagine getting to work and you're like, oh no. (laughs) Oh God. (laughs) So he did find a couple of anchors that were really good at, it and it was like, please, I don't really get to pick, but please, this guy. That was back before artists had as much power as they would later have, where, like, you know, artists, modern artists like Jim Lee is pretty much like Scott Williams, me, no one else. You got it. Which Scott is like, yep, done. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll get it done. Please give me work. But yes, not zombies. Zovembies. Which is a nod towards an old school... I think I've, I think we've mentioned it before on the podcast, but I, I know you and I have talked about it before on a podcast, but we're on too many podcasts. Yeah, whether
1: it was this one or
0: Murdery, uh, I couldn't tell you. Or Word Balloons. Yeah. So, after the Comic Code Authority was created for a long time, monster characters couldn't be used. There could be no vampires, werewolves, zombies, etc. Uh, which... There couldn't be, what, like, true undead? Something like that? Something like that. Morbius was a workaround because he was a living vampire, but even that one, they were, like, (laughs) really skirting in the edges, and it was, like, (laughs) a year before Stanley just decided that the code didn't need to exist anymore. Really, it was... uh, The code was all the comic companies coming together and stopping themselves from being turned into oblivion because... (gasps) comics are corrupting our children. Think of the satanic panic or, yeah. you know, <clears throat> violent video games are leading to gun violence or all of that. All that but poor comics, it well, I mean, it was their movie.
1: It was their thing so that the government wouldn't step. Exactly. In. It's kind of like the same reason the, the, MPAA exists for movies. But they also
0: used it to destroy the biggest comic company out there, Eerie Comics, which was a horror company, by basically making it impossible to make horror comics for a few years. And then immediately doing everything they can to work around that. So rude. So they had a character that was bringing back zombies, but they couldn't (laughs) call them zombies. So it was zombies, and they just called them (laughs) Zuvembees,
2: <laughs> so good.
0: The code was eventually destroyed when um, Stanley was asked to do an anti-drug storyline. So he wrote a three-issue run where Harry Osborne became addicted to pills and smoked pot. <laughs> the pills is the important part, but pot's the part people mention more often. And I'm like, come oh, on, guys, because of, of the time. Yes, yeah. I mean, the '70s, and people went, "Oh, you can't do that." He's like, "What? Why?" Is anti-drugs and they're like, you can't mention drugs in the, the code. So he's like, all right, uh, don't put the code. No code. In, <laughs> don't put the code-approved picture on the front. And everyone went, what? And it sold like gangbusters. And everyone went, all right. To heck with the code then. <laughs> it, it it continued to exist till the early two thousands. I think Archie Comics gave up on it around two thousand five. But it never had power again. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: What I loved in Crescent City Blues is that Blade's fallback plan, whenever his initial plan doesn't work, is, you know, if I wander enough, vampires just come and find me. (laughs) I'm just going to walk the streets. (laughs) Like, you know, that didn't work, but if I walk around, they're going to come at me, so how about I just do that? He's not
0: wrong.
2: I know, that's the sad part. Because he tells saffron is that her name saffron Saffron. like there's nowhere on the world i could let my guard down and he's not wrong
0: (laughs) wherever he goes they're gonna follow him this is the ultimate reason why people put up with blade you're like you're such a jerk
1: honestly you're not wrong (laughs) the blade movie whenever we get it should kind of open kind of like this where he's just like relaxing, like staring out a window, having like... Wearing a, a
0: very comfortable looking sweater. Very comfortable. I on that. And Freaking like, coffee. and you, you start
1: with the camera just like <laughs> looking at him while he's having like this interior monologue and going like, I've done this, I've done that, done that, and done it. And then the camera swings around and he's just looking at these vampires just pressed against the glass and he's just like, alright, let's do this. I want
0: him reading a book but it shouldn't be Dracula, it should be like... There was an a, a, a epic poem written called it should Vampire Twilight. or something. Oh my god. No, it's it's Draculi. I hate that I approve. Um, no, watching Nosferatu. Yes!
1: Yeah.
0: Oh my god. Like, unreal, though. Mm-hmm. So you hear that, like, click, 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 click noise. And like, ooh. And then,
1: yeah, because I kind of loved that opening. He's just, like, sitting there and he's like, they always come to me. And it just shows the panel of just, like, the three faces up against the glass. <laughs>
0: come on in, boys. <laughs> One thing I liked about Gene Colon is if you, is he felt no real need for the vampires to look humanoid any longer than they needed to. The moment it was like attack time, they looked super messed up. I was gonna say goofy, but like not in a bad way, goofy. Just like, oh man. You are not human, okay. (laughs) I see why you pretend. This sucks. (laughs) Uh,
2: Awkward. (laughs) Is the reason you can't see yourself in the mirror because you look like that?
1: (laughs) (laughs) But, like, it's Old Blade still.
0: It's Old Blade. It is, as I said, probably the last significant appearance of Old Blade. I think, I think there is a Marvel team-up With Spider-Man that ties up some of the plots of this. Mm. There is something that ties up some of the plot. I'm not sure where it is. I I couldn't quite find it. So. uh, But I mean, as I said, this came out. A couple of months before the first Blade movie came out.
1: Right. Well, because, yeah. Yeah, this would be just a little bit before. As I
0: said, this was like April 98, and that came out in like July of 98 or something like that.
1: I don't know. Blade's just so cool. He deserves (laughs) way better storylines than he's ever gotten. Like, it sucks that we have to talk about these stories because there's not other ones. That's the biggest takeaway I had from reading these was like, yeah, this is cool. But like, like, honestly, it's not even the best story ever. But this isn't even like Demon in a Bottle.
0: Oh, the Iron Man I'm yeah. a Drunk story? Yeah. Which, it even... Man, if you want heavy-handed moralizing, demon in a bottle is it.
1: But you know what I mean? Like yeah. yeah. He still hasn't had one of those storylines. He hasn't had the Clone Saga, for better or for worse, or... Craven's
0: Last Hunt. Yeah. Well, like, yeah, no, I was... Because uh, I don't like going to listicles for the stories, but I will sometimes when I'm trying to figure out what to read just to give myself an idea. And for, like, Batman listicles... It's always, if it's a top five, like Long Halloween, Year One, Dark Knight Returns, some wild out there choice, and like...
1: Court of Owls, depending of vowels on how probably they want to go. Yeah.
0: Or Hush, one of yeah, those, those two, two, and then uh, some out there choice that the guy was like, See, I read comics! <laughs> I am never insulting someone who doesn't read a bunch of comics. As we said, we are here to avoid neckbeards, but anyone who writes a comic book listicle always has their one choice to prove that they know what they're talking about.
1: Or I will say there's a number of listicles out there that don't. And you're just like, wow, you just skimmed the surface of every other (laughs) listicle that you found to make this listicle. What were the five best
0: best-selling Batman comics on Amazon? Um, Yeah. (laughs) uh, And then yeah, looking through this one, now, in fairness, this is where I discovered Crescent City Blues. I really enjoyed Crescent City Blues. It's fine. I, yeah, I wouldn't say it's the a best storyline. No, it shouldn't be. I, yeah, it's. I mean, it's a lot like the Tomb of Dracula we read last time. I liked Tomb of Dracula better, but I just like Marv Wolfman is a better writer, and that's not this guy's fault. Marv Wolfman is one of the great comic book writers of history, um, but both of them felt like they were like trying to set up for like some new big thing. And then Marvel went in an opposite. How edgy can we get direction instead? Because tomb of Dracula came out shortly before night stalkers did. And, uh, this came out shortly before.
1: Honestly, that completely (laughs) unreadable
0: blade solo series that I was talking about. But Mm. I'm going to try again. I got through two issues. There was a point in the late nineties where Marvel was just coming out of um, bankruptcy and they were trying desperately to prove that every one of their books was like thought provoking and only about half of them were. But what that meant was a whole lot of stories that like could have been really good. If instead of putting long monotonous monologues in them that have almost nothing to do with everything going on with the storyline to try to make it, like, depth. Just own the fact that Blade is being hunted by a strange vampire Viking man and a bunch of shield vampire hunters that have been taken over by vampires. Have fun with that concept instead of being like, the man stops and blinks. For 18 pages.
1: <laughs> All right. I'm going to refine that idea from earlier. <laughs> Blade with Bloodstone. Yes. Having to take out. And boy,
0: thing. I'm sorry. It's just yeah. essential.
1: Having to take out weird supernatural threats. Yes. Hunting them.
0: Yes. In the Savage Lands. You know what? There's some weird stuff in the Savage Land. I'm down for that. Yeah. Oh, man. <coughs> I'm in. <laughs> And then there's dinosaurs, and you gotta do the feathered dinosaurs, because mm-hmm. like, they're actually really cool. Ooh. You know, at one point, Blade's gonna fly, uh, ride a raptor. Oh, 100%. Or a pterodactyl, which is not a dinosaur, but I'm only saying that because my wife would kill me. <laughs> they are a winged reptile. I'm sorry, I don't got anything else on these. They were both fun. I recommend Spirits of Vengeance more than the other, but really, for Damien Hellstrom, son of Satan. Over anything else, he was really good. Honestly, because
1: it's only one issue, I might go read that um, Blade Punisher Marvel team up. That's probably kind of fun. It's probably pretty fun because of who was... those characters are
0: and who Kirkman is. Like that era of Kirkman, he was one of my favorite comic book writers. He and I went different directions. The longer he was like cell phone self publishing through mm-hmm. Image, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just no, in me- fact, good for him. That's where he made most of his money, even though he has some of the most popular tv shows ever like 100 i'm super glad that kirkman has been able to be kirkman mm -hmm. i just he and i went different directions in what interests us in comic books so this era is the kirkman that i'm like yeah bud so i actually would read that despite my great distaste of the punisher (laughs) i do think those characters would get on famously (laughs) they should be friends punisher's a fun crossover character i'll give him that he can work in the Midnight Suns, but eh, I would rather have Moon Knight on that. I need 100% more Moon Knight and Blade as well. Like, Wait,
1: okay, here's another team-up idea. Elsa,
0: Bloodstone, Moon Knight, no. and Blade? Uh,
1: Punisher, Blade, and Spider-Man having to keep them in check. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That'd be fun. <laughs> We're getting closer to this weird 90s team-up book that had spider-man the new warriors moon knight and the punisher having to team up to fight this group that was a cyborg who used to be moon Knight's sidekick midnight we'll get to it on the moon Knight episode anyways next time we will be covering dracula himself who was originally supposed to be our number one person but we went vampire hunters then vampires uh and we will be reading first or not, i mean read in whatever order you want uh, Doctor Strange 58 through 62 from the 1983 Roger Stern series. And Apocalypse Dracula, the four issue limited series that features Apocalypse, the mutant enemy of the X Men, fighting Dracula. It's so much better than it should be.
1: Well, that's all the time we have set aside for our lesson today. For those of you staying on the island, our monthly game of Vampire the Masquerade starts soon. For everyone else, we hope your cruise back to the wild world of nerdery is swift and safe and super fun. Bon voyage! Thank you for listening to this episode of New Byland. If you like the show, please hit subscribe. Also, if you could rate and review us, however you're listening to us right now, that would also be super helpful. As always, we are part of the Verm Podcast Network and would greatly appreciate it if you could go check out all of our sister shows over at EarVerm.com. That's E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com. A big special thanks to Ian Ford for our theme song and music.
0: We'll catch you next time.